Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wala qibatil muttaqin. Wala udwana illa ala zalimin. Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right here, folks. So... Uh, let's have up the uh, comments uh, first, because I know asking these lot here is a complete waste of time. Where were we? Mesa, come and save us, man. Tell us where we are, because I have literally no idea where we are. Or oh, where's Jiva? Where's, where's, an, where's an actual student? Huh? We'll put on clothes, yeah? Thank you for that, Tiani. I know that we... On clothes. We spent two weeks, I think, on clothes. I need to know exactly where we are with respect to. Anyone can remember where we stopped? If you're naked, it's compulsory to, naked, it's compulsory to come public. So I've not done the, the left of the imam, the wrapping of the turban? Yeah. I have, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. The last lesson we were on page 250. Now we've gone past that. Uh, that's where we might have started, Mesa. Uh, you see, because the last couple of lessons were on the road, isn't it? So um, I just don't want to go over stuff again. That's all. Sorry? Okay. All right. In any case, um, we covered the putting on a turban. That's correct. That is why we started. You need to give me a heads up to get you there. <laughs> All right. No, then that's fine. Because I haven't spoken about killing a snake yet, have I? No. Yeah, that's why I thought. All right. Bring up the Arabic, uh, Shaz. I know where we are. All right. Bismillah. So... The text in the Arabic is uh, So وَلَهُ رَدُّ الْمَارِ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَعَدُّ الْآيِ وَالْفَتْحُ عَلَى إِمَامِهِ وَلُبْسُ الثَّوْبِ وَلَفُ الْعِمَامَةِ وَقَتْلُ حَيَّةٍ وَأَقْرَبٍ وَقُمَّلْ فَإِنْ أَطَالَ الْفِعْلِ عُرْفًا مِنْ غَيْرِ ذُرُورَةٍ وَلَا تَفْرِيقٍ بَطُلَتْ وَلَوْ سَهْوًا That's what we're going to cover today. So, it is uh, allowed to prevent someone crossing his prayer zone, done that, to count verses, done that, to correct the imam, done that, to put on clothes and to wrap his turban. We've done that today. To kill a snake, scorpion and louse. And if one continuously performs any such act for what is customarily considered to be a long time, unnecessarily or, with a, or without a break in the action, then the prayer is invalidated even if that act is done forgetfully right that is our text today so i mean obviously those who are, are not online but those who are in the message right now i just uh, uh gave some examples of the prophet and moving and i'm going to come back to that as well the prophet sallallahu he did un he did wrap his turban up the prophet sallallahu did yani adjust his clothes which indicates all of these things are allowed right and i'm going to one one thing which would be nice in this lesson i'm going to read you some athar directly from the companions 
Um, you know what? Let me read that first, actually. All right, this is, this is, this is, you're going to enjoy this. This is a chapter that has been put together in a modern form, all right? Uh, known as the, or called the actions in the prayer. Okay, that are narrated from the companions. فَعَنْ ثَوْبَ أَبِي صَدَقَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْ أَنَّ أَنَسِ بِنْ مَالِ كَانَ يَقْتُلُ الْقُمَّلِ وَالْبَرَاغِيثِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ um, all of these narrations I'm going to state to you, by the way, I don't think I'm going to read them all in Arabic, but all of these narrations I'm going to state to you now are authentic. Okay? I'll just give you the reference for each one. So, Tawbah, one of the, the Tabi'een, he said that Anas, radiallahu an, Ibn Malik, okay, in the prayer he would, I would see him, we'd know that he would kill lice and cockroaches in the prayer. Narrated in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba, volume 2, uh, number 368 Okay uh, Malik ibn Yakhamir Yach He said I saw Mu'adh Mu'adh who? Ibn Jabal Kill Lice And cockroaches In the prayer By the way I'm going to go and read Every narration in this chapter For two reasons One because they're specific To our chapter But the second reason I'm going to read them so that you can understand the challenge that fuqaha have establishing a position, a legal position from primary sources. So this is the primary source. You might say, hold on, it's not. The, sun, the hadith of the Prophet is primary source. The Quran is a primary source. The third then is the consensus of the companions. And then the fourth are then, you know, individual opinions here and there. And you, you'd be right. But this is in addition to any ijma' that's out there, or any hadith out there, or any ayat. We are now in the realm of athar. That's the plural of athar, which is the singular of a narration that comes from a companion. So I'm going to read a load of these, and I want you to basically see not only the challenge of the, the fuqaha in trying to unpick what the truth is, but also how, how, how you need to understand why it's so necessary to study with the teacher. So I'm not going to hide anything. I'm going to read and translate everything. And then we can do questions afterwards. Alright? So, the chapter is actions in the prayer. Sub-chapter, sub the killing of lice in the prayer. Uh, 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 Anas used to kill uh, uh, lice and cockroaches. Uh, Mu'ad used to kill lice and cockroaches. Sub-chapter, the killing of scorpions in the prayer. Abdullah ibn Dinar, uh, he said that I saw Ibn Umar, uh, sorry, Abdullah ibn Umar saw a leaf whilst he was praying, and he thought that it was a scorpion. And so he took off his slipper, and he smacked it with the, the slipper. In Salah, don't forget, narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba. All of these are nearly, no, not, not all of them. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, volume 2, uh, number 90. Subchapter, the uh, movement or touching stones in the prayer. Uh, I'm not going to mention the... No, I actually I am. Uh, Abi Ja'far Al-Qari, Rahimahullah, Tabi'i, he said that I saw Ibn Umar, إذا هوى ليسجد يمسح لحصاب قدر جبهتهي مسحة واحدة. When I saw Abdullah bin Umar descend to go into sajda, then when he would get to where he would make sajda, he would remove the stones with a single movement from where he would prostrate, where his head would go. 
So the point there being, obviously when you pray outside, you know on the ground, there's little stones, they hurt. So you are seeing what he does is that before he puts his head down, he does a, now you might have seen people, they, you know, but you see that he very clearly, he saw him only one go. You got, it's almost like you got one chance, do the best that you can and the minimum act that you can and then make sajda. This is narrated in the Muatta of Imam Malik. Imam Malik, okay, volume one, uh, number one, three, two. And then Nafir, the freed slave and student and Imam, uh, Rahimahullah, he said that Ibn Umar, he would sometimes remove stones with his foot, with his feet, whilst he was standing in the prayer. Yeah, and he moving his stones out of the way in his feet. Maybe we don't know whether they were hurting his feet. We don't know whether they were distracting his attention. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe that these are the ones, you know, the killer ones that you, uh, uh, your knees go down on, right? When you go into prostration. We don't know. But he saw him do that whilst he was praying. That's narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, volume 2, 414. Sahih. Uh, and Abdurrahman ibn al-Aswad from his father, that he said that I saw Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, that he was moving stones with his head, with his uh, hand, whilst he was in sajda. Or just before sajda and then like yani at the beginning parts of the sajda. Alright, so just before he made that, he made the movement, he, he got cleaned it and then he went in sajda. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, this is the Musannaf by the way. Ibn Abi Shaiba is the famous author of the Musannaf. Alright, volume uh, 2, number 412. Um, and also it is narrated, Abu Hurair said, simply a quote from him, Yani. Only wipe once. Only make it one move. All right. It is also narrated, uh, and that's narrated uh, in uh, by Ibn Ibn Al Mundir narrates that. I don't know which book, uh, volume three, two hundred and fifty-eight. The book is not mentioned. Um, narrated from Nafi'. He said that Ibn Umar used to arrange and straighten out the stones before he would make takbir. Okay, before he would make takbir, before the salah, salah begins. That's narrated by uh, Abdul Razak. Abdul Razak has the, an, another book as well called Al Musannaf, very similar to Ibn Abi Shayba. That's narrated volume 3, number 261. I want you to remember that. Okay, now immediately when you see that as students of knowledge, your immediate reaction should not be confusion. It should be, okay, person does his best before he prays, and then if it doesn't all get done whilst he's in the prayer, he's got another move in the prayer. Simple reconciliation there, yeah? That doesn't require any stress. Um, that's the only too long, forget that. And uh, leave that. Okay, sub-chapter. Dua in salah. No, we don't need that. Buka fi salah. The crying in the prayer. Um, I should, I, you should actually uh, know. That Abdullah ibn Shaddad rahimahullah, he said that I heard the sobbing of Umar radiallahu an, and I was in the very last line of the prayer and he was reciting innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah so that I only uh, 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 complain of my pain and my sorrow to Allah. This is narrated by Ibn, this is why he was reciting that and he was crying. So this is narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, volume 2, 355. Um, the uh, uh, subchapter, uh, coughing in the uh, prayer, or not just coughing, but also uh, clearing a throat. Now, there's a, there's a, a, a spectrum there 
of gathering one's spittle to clearing one's throat to coughing. All of this spectrum, basically. Ibn Abbas, he said, Very heavy statement. That this kind of, uh, 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 not glottal, uh, what's the word we'd say? These kind of sounds, if we were to make a, a word for it. Like burping, like, like uh, whatever. What are these sounds all put under? Guttural sounds? Guttural. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, any guttural sounds, which are non uh, which are involuntary. No, which are voluntary. Guttural, voluntary sounds are like speaking in the prayer. This is a strict statement to stop people just, you know, some people just do it out of habit. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're in the prayer and they're just, you know, doing all crazy sounds. Which is different from someone who's got a coughing fit, which we're going to come to next week. What happened to the Prophet Sallallahu And of course we know that when that happened and he went into that coughing fit, he then cut the uh, 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 surah and he went into ruku'ah. Um, and that's narrated by Abdul Razak, the Musannaf of Abdul Razak, volume 2, 189. Subchapter, As-Salam for Salah, to give salam in the prayer. Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he said, لَوْ دَخَلْتُ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ وَهُوْ يُصَلُّونَ مَا سَلَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ Ya salam. Jabir said that if I enter upon a people and they are praying, I don't give salam to them. Okay? I do not give salam to them. Narrated by Abdul Razak, uh, volume 2, 337. عن نافع أن عبد الله بن عمر مر على رجل وهو يصلي فسلم عليه فرد الرجل كلاما فرجع عليه عبد الله بن عمر فقال له سلم على أحد على أحدكم وهو يصلي فلا يتكلم وليشير بيده عبد الله بن عمر he went past the guy who was praying and he gave salam to the guy who was praying and the guy who was praying said وعليكم السلام so the so Abdullah, uh, he went back to him and said to him when someone's praying and someone gives salam don't say back to him, Wa alaikum salam, whilst you're yani, speaking, but just indicate with the hand. That indication is your Wa alaikum salam. We've covered that already. That's narrated by Imam Malik in the Muwatta, number, volume 1, 168. Uh, uh, Jabir, again, he said, I will never. Or I will not give salam to a person whilst he is praying. But if someone gives salam to me whilst I am praying, I will respond. And obviously by that he means to indicate. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, volume 2, uh, 74. Another narration. I asked Jabir ibn Abdullah, Salman ibn Musa says that on the authority of Ata, that he said, I asked Jabir ibn Abdullah about a person who gives you salam whilst you are praying. He said, do not respond to him until you finish your prayer. So this is another way of dealing with it, like I've taught you, which is that you wait and you finish the prayer, then you turn to the person and say, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. That's if they're around, hanging around, you can see they're around. If they're like passing by, and then, you know, it's sunnah to give the salam, but it's obligatory to return it. So if you see that scenario where they're kind of on their way, then just indicate with your hand. But if you know that they're sitting next to you or they're waiting for you, then don't do anything. And just carry on, finish your prayer. And like he says here, just give uh, uh, taslim and then give him salam. Okay, uh, subchapter. Uh, no, let's leave that. Uh, leave that. Uh, the chapter, gathering one hair in the prayer. Zayd ibn Wahab, rahimahullah, said, 
مر ابن مسعود على رجل ساجد ورأسه معقوص محلة فلما انصرف قال له عبد الله لا تعقص عبد الله بن مسعود went past a person who was in prayer and he was in sajda and he had tied up his long hair and so when he had finished Abdullah waited and when he had finished he goes don't tie up your hair don't yani, gather your hair because your hair prostrates and ajra. and in every single hair on your head there is an ajr for it, prostr- for it prostrating uh, uh, and he said the man said, I only tied it together so that it doesn't get uh, whatever it gets. Yeah? In Arabic is actually a positive thing. Tartib is to put in order. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but get all tangled or whatever. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, That it gets tangled is much better for you. Okay? That it makes sajda and gets all the ajr. That's a lot better result than yani, you thinking. The other way. This is narrated by Abdul Razak, it's Sahih, volume 2, 175. I saw that Ibn Abbas, this is Abi said, I saw Ibn Abbas, he used to be our Imam, and he had long hair. And when he would go to Sajda, his hair all over him on the on the on the ground. All over. Yeah, all on the ground. Yep. That's Ibn Mundir. And uh, that's narrated by Ibn Mundir, volume 3, 183. Um, the next chapter is about people. Okay, let's do that. Uh, subchapter: the uh, not praying whilst a person is fighting off the two urges, al-akhbathan, the two disgusting urges, i.e., urine and feces. Yeah. Uh, on the authority of Ibn Abbas, he said, لا يصلي أحدكم وهو يدافع الطوف البول والغائط. يعني one of you should not pray whilst he's fighting the urge to go to a number one and a number two. That's narrated by al-Harbi and al-Gharib and al-Baghawi as well. In the Musnad of Ibn al-Ja'ad, that's probably an easier reference to find. The Musnad of Ibn al-Ja'ad, number 3086. Um, that's not yani, so relevant. That's not so relevant. Just, yani, just to carry on the chapter, I like this one. It's one of my favorites, hadith. This is something that we learned myself and Shaz long time ago. Hadith, hadith al salah to talk to oneself to, uh, in the prayer. Okay, but that's, not, that, that's actually the literal translation. It means basically your, your mind, where your mind goes. Yep. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu, inni la juyushi wa ana salah When I'm in the prayer, I'm always ordering my troops. So when he's in the prayer, he's yani, seeing, I'm going to put my people there, on that flank there, I'm going to have these people covered there. So an indication, an indication that in the prayer, uh, it doesn't just mean good things about the Qur'an that you're reciting, but all good things that are to do with deen and Allah and whatever. This is one of the things that we said that, you know, when a person, uh, we, we spoke about this, uh, I don't know when we spoke about it, that there are certain people that uh, they prepare well for their prayer, like, you know, they, they, uh, before they stand up to recite the surah, they might read a little bit before it. Or if you're like, you know, very easy in a masjid like this where you know exactly, you know, we know that Sheikh's going to be reciting Ibrahim for the next few days because he's making his way through the Quran. So it makes sense if you're coming to the masjid for the next few days, let me read up on what Ibrahim says, what it means, 
and then every time he's reciting, it's resonating with what you've recited and the English that you read, the translation that you read. Makes sense, it's going to be more meaningful prayer. But when people try to remember the most powerful prayer that they've had, it's hardly ever to do with how much you connect with the words. It's to do with emotions and what that uh, ayah means, what that, yani, uh, what it reflects, uh, what it makes you reflect upon. And so sometimes a person, you'll hear a verse and your mind will be taken 20 years back and you're just living out an episode which has nothing to do with the prayer. This is not heedlessness. This is the reflection that's required in the prayer as long as it makes you more humble, more grateful, more still, more amazed, more, more yani, uh, thankful to be in the prayer in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, so this hadith, this athar, I quote a lot because it allows people to understand that there is a spectrum of, of tadabbur, of reflection in the prayer. Right? It's not acceptable to be going there and saying, oh, well, I'm just arranging yani, you know, the tasks for the rest of my team and where I'm going to get lunch and I'm, you know, when I get home, I'm going to get pizza and I'm going to have pepperoni on it. No, I'm not going to have pepperoni actually because I had that yesterday. And you're going to be thinking all of this stuff and that's all you know, because of the big jihad I'm going to do tonight. That's just nonsense, isn't it? Yeah? So you've got to be honest with yourself at least. But yani, when you can see a religious impact or part, so I can tell you, for example, just to give you an example about what Sheikh has been thinking about when he led the, pr the prayer. You see, he said, uh, what's the ayah? Uh, uh, the second ayah of Ibrahim. Anyway, I forgot the beginning of the ayah. Ad-dunya... The correct ayah is ala al-akhirah. I forgot the first part of the ayah. Is ad-dunya ala al-akhirah. And he forgot whether it is ala al-akhirah or fil-akhirah or bil-akhirah. He forgot. And you saw him stop a couple of times. Eh? You saw him try a couple of times. What is it? Uh, yeah, next ayah. Next ayah, bro. Yeah, this is it. Ayo Jamil. Now, you see, those who prefer the, this life, how has he translated it? Over the akhirah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, those who prefer the, uh, this life over the akhirah. Now, in Arabic, technically, bil akhirah could also work, but it doesn't fit as well. Fil akhirah could technically work, but it's far, you're far, you're far. Lil akhirah could technically work, but you're far away. Al al-akhirah is the obvious grammatically correct word. It's the worst, and obviously that doesn't mean that it's got to fit our grammatical rules. The Quran sometimes breaks those rules and it establishes rules. Let, let's not forget that. So it's al al-akhirah. Now, he went through all of the various ones, but he didn't do ala. And what he did then is that he went with a ba. He said bil akhirah and he fudged it as well. He's like, so he had three, four goes. Anyone who knows, you would have heard it. He had first go, second go, third go, and then the fourth go, and he went, and he cut it back and he only went two verses in. I'm telling you now, from that moment until you come around again, he didn't do anything else in, except looking at the Mus'haf in his eyes. And he's just there, it's there, and he's trying to find the page and he's looking at it. And you see, he's a hafid to a different level. You didn't see any mistake in any letter after that, right? But he, and by the way, he didn't pick up on the mistake. He said, Bil Akhirah from the beginning. So he wrote, he said, When he got to Iwaja, he went back and he started again. 
Bil-akhirah, he said it again, and then he, so what I'm trying to explain to you is that his memory is so, mashallah, tabarakallah, amazing, that he made the mistake of Bil instead of Allah. He went on and it didn't feel right. He didn't forget a single word after that. He carried on completing, he didn't make, you know, it's not like uh, what happens to us normally, which is, you remember the Quran in such a specific way, you're one little surah, that if you read another one, and then you go and join the other one. You know, you, you start here and then you've gone there. He didn't. He just got that letter wrong. Letter, literally. It's a harf, Allah, okay? And he's gone and the surah is still the same. Everything is solid. But he doesn't feel right. It just didn't flow like he wanted. And so he had doubts and he went back and he went back and it didn't fit. Then he said, you know what? It probably is bil and I'm just having a bad day. And so he carried on for a couple of verses. But he wasn't happy with what had happened. So he's only thinking of this page. And even though he did two, three verses further, those who notice he started again with it, with the beginning of this verse in the second raka'ah, and it was ala, al-akhirah. Right? So my point is, is that the reflections and the things that you see and that you do in the prayer is actually a wide spectrum. People should embrace that and use it. Use yani, the things that you are doing to get you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever it is, as long as it's linked to bettering yourself and so on. Anyway, that's narrated by Ibn Abu Shayba. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Just narration 7951. Interesting. Okay. Um, Subchapter Tahiq al Hisaf al Salah. Moving stones in the prayer. I saw Muslim Ibn Abi Maryam said, I saw Ibn, no, uh, Ibn Umar saw a man turning stones around in the prayer. And he said, don't turn stone, stones around in the prayer because this is from shaitan. This one seems to be that kind of like, uh, you know, fidgeting type of uh, uh, job. That's narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba. 7849. Subchapter, movement in the prayer. at taharruq fi salah And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, this is going to become important later on. He said... Qaru salah Qaru as-salah Qaru means uskunu yani Have sakina, be still Still in your prayer That's what the, the command means This is narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba 2-7-2-50 This is the narration Alright And an Mujahid Rahimahullah The students of Abdullah ibn Abbas He said Kana ibn Zubair Ibn al-Awwam Radiyallahu anhuma when he would stand in a prayer, he's like a tree. That is how still his khushu' was. Like a tree. He would not move an inch in the prayer. The covering of the mouth, subchapter, in the prayer. And obviously, there is a benefit in this. I know you might be thinking what will happen to our lesson. But this is like almost the source material for, from where we study. So I'll just cover about another 10 more and then you will see that what we're going to then cover in today's lesson will be the application of everything that we've just read. The covering of the mouth in the prayer. This is interesting. Ja'ada ibn Hubayra, rahimahullah, rahimahullah, he said, Subhanallah, radiallahu anhu, maybe he's Sahabi, I don't know. Ja'ada ibn Hubayra. The first time in my life that I heard the Sahabi in that name. Anyway, 
جعد ابن هبير رضي الله عنه رأى رجلا يصلي عليه مغفرة وعمامة قد قتل بهما وجهه فأخذ بمغفرته وعمامته فألقاهما من خلفه جعد رضي الله عنه he saw a man who was praying and he had a helmet on and a turban and they were both effectively leading to the fact that his face was covered right now by the way the Imamah that was worn by men was primarily to cover one's face from the dust of the you know desert you see the Tuareg of today uh, that's the kind of image you should be thinking of when you see the Arabs in the uh, uh, you know wearing that kind of thing yeah and but both of them were covering the face and a large portion of the face what's not clear in this narration is whether he himself or whether Ja'ada the companion himself I took the turban and the helmet and put it behind himself both of the meanings are acceptable you are allowed to intervene in a person praying to help them to better their prayer even if they don't realize it that's like correcting a person's qibla that's like taking something off that you can see that they're sweating they don't realize the ruling you know turning another person's phone off for example i saw that by the way you know we were talking about the phone today i was uh uh, the lads aren't here, but I was in Regent's Park Masjid a couple of weeks back. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, these kind of problems are uh, prevalent in certain masajid and not so prevalent in others. In Arab mosques, you don't get this problem because as people have studied Fiqh Salah with me, and even this class, you'll know that I've, I've often mentioned the, the, the disparity in understanding Deen, Arabic, Salah, acts of worship, like between Pakhs, Desis. Yeah, so everyone who's non-Arab basically, and Arabs. Arabs, at the bare minimum, because of their connection to the Arabic language, and they have this kind of almost, not something to celebrate per se, but they have a very kind of relaxed, free relationship with their religion. And the Pakhs are kind of very kind of careful, they don't get it very much, they don't understand what's being said, and so they go into a real zone, a closed box. And they go into a closed box because... If you don't have understanding when you recite, you compensate it with pseudo-stillness. Because at least stillness shows respect. You get what I'm trying to say? So they don't move much. So non-Arabs, they kind of, they're the very kind of rigid, focused, solid, you know, people in prayer. And the Arabs are like all over the show. This, that, whatever, blah, blah. You see them, like, you know, packs like having heart attacks, like what these people are. Yep. But that's just a reflection of culture, it's a reflection of education. It's a reflection. Anyway, in Regent's Park Mosque, you're not going to have this problem with people's phones because people will take their phone out and turn it off. And you're also not going to have a problem if there's a pack who's got a phone because they will turn your phone off. There was a guy, four to the of me, his phone was going, going, and he wasn't doing anything about it. And the guy next to him wasn't doing anything about it. But the second to his right was some Arab guy, he was not messing about. He stepped forward, grabbed my guy's phone, the from his jacket, one time. No, on the floor. So stepped in from him. That guy was like, how attack you? You know what I mean? He's like this. Took his, took the, yeah. So he took his phone, turned it off, put it there. Sweet move, Yanni. And after this, everyone's giving him, you know what I mean? Hugs, well done, brother. Zakalakhair, just that. Packs that, no? So, 
so the, in this narration, it's not clear whether he took the helmet off him and everything. It's not clear or whether he did it himself. But I want you to know that the removal of clothes we covered couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said that if you've got a jacket on, yeah. And I think, so, yeah, yeah, we did it in here, in fact. And some of the sisters were asking, can I put clothes on to a kid and take them off? Yes, you can. You can put a jacket on someone. You can take your jacket off. You can even make a step towards a jacket if you're cold. Everything that's affecting your quality of prayer, you can fix in the prayer. Now, if we're allowing the fixing of cold or you want to be a bit less, you, you know, you're a bit too hot and you want to enjoy the prayer, but now you're hurrying up because it's hot. You know what it's like when it's boiling, you just wish it's over, right? So it would be allowed for a person in this masjid, for example, take a step to the right, two to the right, turn on the fans, go back to his position. No problem. In the prayer, when someone's forgot to turn on the fan and everyone's just thinking, oh, if this guy can only hurry up. There's no khushu' there. Yeah, I don't want you to think. I wish this guy would hurry up, yeah? Isn't that the exact thought that you think when the food is ready and my guy is reciting? And the Prophet said it's not allowed to pray whilst that food is ready and you're trying to defy your natural instinct that, no, I've got mm -hmm. the patience, I can go and, you know, pray and not worry about the food. No, you can't. The Prophet said, no, you can't. Don't fight it, yeah? So all of these things become uh, permissible. Anyway, uh, just to continue a little bit. Um... Okay, I'm going to say this. This is the one I was going to say just to give you a, a bit of a shock. A chapter, a person, a man, sees blood on his clothes whilst he's praying. عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أنه كان إذا كان في الصلاة فرأى في ثوبه دما I'm going to read it in Arabic. Alright, and then good luck to you. فإن استطاع أن يضعه وضعه وَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ أَنْ يَضَعَهُ فَخَرَجَ فَغَسَلَهُ ثُمَّ جَاءَ فَبَنَى عَلَى مَا كَانَ صَلَّى Madness. Madness. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba 7286. Hadith. Sahih. An actual fact, Imam Ibn Hajar Al-Hafid said in Al-Fatih Al-Bari, Volume 1, 183, Isnaduhu Sahih. He he's like jumped in as well, saying this has an authentic senate. Ibn Umar, while he was praying, if he saw blood on his clothes, if he was able to, meaning it's a second layer, he would take it off. So there you go, automatically, it was completely adi for them to remove clothes in the prayer. So it should be for you as well. But if he was unable to, now make of this what you want. If he was unable to, he would go. I'm just translating it. I'm just a translator. You know what I mean? He would go, wash it off, come back and continue the prayer. Don't ask questions that you don't like the answers to. Go where? How do I know where he went? I'm, I'm blown, blown by the, the fact that he went. Now, you see, now because they're not hadith, you don't get commentaries to this. You know, if, if, if normally we read a hadith like this, and you have hundreds of commentaries from the scholars, and they, you know, explain. The companion statements don't get these commentaries. Yeah? Now, فَخَرَجَ خَرَجَ يعني مِنْ مَكَانِ الصَّلَاةِ خَرَجَ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ يعني He exited from the prayer and just moved a bit? Or did he exit from the area? It's difficult to ascertain which one, but it'd be strange if he went miles off, didn't he? Yeah? He would wash it. Now, washing, I mean, it's no joke as well. Yeah. Now, 
We don't know whether this was inside or outside. It could be outside. If it's outside, then, you know, water's around here and there. He could just literally put his, you know, and just do a minor, if, especially if the water's there, do a little rub and back in the prayer. The real interesting for me is This is the, the amazing part. Whether he exited or not, whether he went anywhere or not, there's an almost consensus that if you exit the prayer, your prayer is gone. You can't come back and continue. You know, like we covered last year or two years ago, when, I, when the imam who's leading the prayer, he breaks his wudu. Remember that? And what did we say? He turns around, finds someone, put them forward. That guy, when you push him forward, what does he do? He builds on what the imam's already done. He's in the prayer, that's why he does it. When the imam goes, does he come back and build? No. He goes and makes wudu, he exits the prayer, he makes wudu, he comes back, joins at the back as a new person, does the whole prayer again. Right. That's a basic rule, there's a consensus on that. So here it's just now difficult. Now, this is narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, as I said, 7286. The reason I mentioned this, okay, exactly what Hamza said. It's one of those X-file drawer narrations. And this is the reason I wanted to mention this, that the fuqaha, they have a responsibility. Their responsibility is not to get hung up over these individual narrations. Their responsibility is to take the narrations from the companions as a whole and not individual. And I want you to know that if we were people who followed the individual opinions of companions, you would blow your mind, Yani, what kind of Islam you would have. Your Islam would be so funky out there, you would see opinions that, you know, you know, the things that you know for, like, absolute consensus, consensus. I don't want to ruin your world, Yani, and say to you that there was the companions that did this, and Ibn Abbas did this, and Ibn Umar did this, and when you like, oh my God, oh my God, ah. yeah. We just let it slide. We're not required to follow the individual companions' statements, but rather we follow the scholars who understand, know about these narrations, and they put it together, and they, they put it into a system where this is not so important. It's great, it's a piece of knowledge. Maybe we might pull it out for a fatwa sometime, an extreme emergency sometime, but we're not going to al allow it to ruin our normative system of fiqh and, you know, everything, right? Like exactly the uh, um, narration of Ali radiallahu anhu slapping the guy in the prayer. That's something which we keep yani, for an emergency. We don't want everybody now to believe, yeah, someone touches me in the prayer again, it will not get knocked out because Ali radiallahu anhu did it. You know what I'm saying? And there's many more of these kind of narrations that a person. Now, the other, so I'll give you a, another example, sub chapter. Person prays whilst reciting in a mushaf. عن ثابت البناني رحمه الله قال كان أنس يسلي وغلامه يمسك المصحف خلفه فإذا تعايا في آية فتح عليه uh, He said that I saw Anas pray and uh, his uh, 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 servant would be behind him holding the mushaf behind him holding the mushaf in the prayer as well and when he would make a mistake in the ayah, then he would correct him. The servant would correct Anas ibn Malik. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba, uh, that's uh, uh, Hassan, meaning an acceptable chain. All right, a level down from Sahih. 7223. And Ibn Abi Mulaika, 
She freed a slave and that person then obviously when you free a slave then you have yani, wala, you have some rights and they stay close anyway because they're normally treated well, blah blah blah. They normally stay in the house. And he would lead Aisha in Salah in Ramadan using the Mus'haf. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba, uh, or collected, sorry, in the collection of Ibn Abi Shayba, narration 7217, Sahih. That gives an indication that the Mus'haf can be part. However, the response should be all of them children each time. Notice, yeah, kid, slave, kid. Yani free adults is a, is a status. And we have rulings that are clear to, clear to slaves, which are not applicable to uh, free people. And rulings that are for kids that aren't for adults. Others will say, no, there's no evidence here that denies this act for the adults. But this is an expert narration. It's something you put in the drawer. You don't make it. Um, because it's not even about the evidence. What if I know this and someone says to me, can we write from myself? I said, no, not allowed at all. And my intention is purely because I don't want people to leave memorization, which is what's happening today, of course. So many people don't memorize the Quran. They're all waiting, yani, you know, for a Google Glass version 2 for it to be there, yani, in their glasses. Well, they would need to re revise anything for it. Just khalas, yani, flick a switch and you've got it right in front of you. You can leave for hours, man. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you, Hibs is under threat. Big time, big time. And I'll tell you something else as well. The people who memorize the Quran, the Hufad, they are also under threat. Because, you know, a lot of them, you know, when people memorize the Quran, they become easy targets. You know, our dumb hafiz, you know, those that are of the, uh, in the madrasas, Darul Ulooms, you know. And they're all, they're normal people, normal kids who have put in, and they do, they do normal kid things, non-practicing, many of them. They might go and do sins, this, that, whatever. And because they did hafiz or went to Darul Uloom, they get that extra hate. You know what I'm saying? So there is a perception in the community that doing hafiz is for dumb kids, dumb people. So there's a social pressure against hafiz. There's an actual problem. People's uh, mindsets now, uh, uh, time is now so consumed by other things. Like you're never bored, are you now, right? At least yani, a person would go, like I remember when I was doing hips, and I was doing hips at a time where there was no phones or anything else. It was my entertainment. You know what I'm trying to say? I remember when I went to Mauritania, okay, and I can tell you now that if I hadn't memorized the work that I had been set, <laughs> what else was I going to do? Like, literally, I was in the middle of a desert. There's no electricity, let alone any phone reception. There weren't any smartphones then anyway. There was no battery power, nothing anyway. There was no people there at all. What was I going to do? So there's a direct correlation with having nothing to do or having such a strong discipline that you make it a priority, like as if there's nothing else to do, right? And being busy and things distracting you. And so if, if we're living in a time of distractions, something's got to suffer. And of course, it's Dean. We sacrifice the number one thing to be chucked out the window. And Hibs is the first thing that's chucked out the window. So, yani, when you come across a narration like that, the job of the faqih, the job of the ignorant is to say, what about this narration, Aki? Yeah? And he sticks the hadith in your face. The job of the scholar is to say, brother, I know this narration, but this is how we're going to use it. And Allah knows best. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you've got to be able to put them in drawers and refer to them in the right time. A sub-chapter, At-Tarabbu' Salah, what I'm doing right now, okay? Sitting cross-legged, but in the prayer. We covered this two years ago. 
عن سماك بن سلم الضبي رحمه الله قال رأيت ابن عمر وابن عباس وهما رضي الله عنهما متربعان في الصلاة I saw ابن عمر and ابن عباس and they were in the prayer both of them sitting like this okay cross legged 6-1-20 and then another narration I saw an عمر الأنصاري he said I saw Anas while he was praying and he prayed cross legged and he was sitting on a velvet carpet narrated by ابن أبي شيبة 6-1-2-3 and Nafi' narrates that, that Ibn Umar were prayed cross-legged because he was in a lot of pain. That would probably indicate knee pain, okay, that he couldn't make sajda or, you know, sit in tashahud. So, again, an option out. Another point for us to reflect upon. We've gone straight from pain to the chair. And I've told you guys a lot, and it's important for us to spread this, that it's not pain to the chair. It's pain to a position with less pain, to a position that's weird but allowed, i.e. Uh, uh, cross-legged, to eventually to the chair. It should be the last resort. Now, it's the first resort. Any kind of issue, straight to the... It's unacceptable. Unacceptable, and it's what's ruining the, the shape of our massage, the structure of our massage, the, 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 you know... Right. That's, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, turning round in the prayer, subchapter, okay? <laughs> and Anas ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, ra'aytu Anas ibn Malik yatasharraf ila shay' yanzur ilayhi fi salah, fi salatihi. Narrated that, yeah, and so Anas ibn Malik, that he would turn to look at something in the prayer. Turn to look at something in the prayer, okay? That he was, when he was in a position of responsibility. Maybe it is, he thinks that something's going to happen. Who knows? Four, five, five, two. That in Ibn Abi Shayba. And Muawiyah ibn Qurra, rahimahullah, said, who he said, قيل لابن عمر إن الزبير إذا قام في الصلاة لم يلتفت ولم يتحرك. قال لكننا نلتفت ونتحرك. يعني he said, Muawiyah said, that it was said to Abdullah ibn Umar, hey, you know Zubair, Ibn Awam radiallahu anh, seen a companion, you know when he stands up to pray, he doesn't turn around, he doesn't move, doesn't do anything in the prayer. And Ibn Umar said, he goes, yeah, however, we also turn and we also move. Yeah, and it's allowed for us. If we need to turn, we'll turn. If we need to move, we need to move. Obviously, we showed that from the hadith as well. That's narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba, 4553. And Fitr, he said, Ra'aytu Ibn Mughaffal, radiallahu an, yaf'aluhu. I saw Ibn Mughaffal, radiallahu an, Turn from left to right. That's narrated by Ibn Abi Shaiba. Uh, 4556. Check this. An Nafir an Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu annahu kana yakrahu al iltifatu fi salah. Ibn Nafir said Abdullah ibn Umar used to hate that a person turned around in the prayer. So you see, that seems contradictory. No. Hating something is one thing, saying that a person never is allowed to do it is something else. So in the first version, he said, yeah, well, we do that. And obviously, in brackets, it should be if there's a need to do it. And in this statement, when he's saying it, he hates people do it. Don't be thinking it's some light kind of easy thing. Abdullah ibn Umar قال, كان أبو بكر لا يلتفت في صلاته. Look at that. Abdullah ibn Umar said, Abu Bakr never used to turn around in his prayer or turn from side to side in his prayer. Narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba, narration 4532. And then, uh, and Imran ibn Hussein, 
radiallahu anhu, he used to say about Allah's statement, which you can translate as, and those people who are consistent in their prayer, okay, he translated that as, gave the tafsir as, i.e., those who don't turn in their prayer. Not yani, like we would think, those who are consistent praying every day. He, in his opinion, a Sahabi opinion, his tafsir, okay, is that those who don't turn in their prayer, they keep consistent in their position to the, to the Qibla. Amazing, subhanAllah. All right? That's narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba, 4546. Um, Subchapter, fi salah, leaning in the prayer. And Asim ibn Shamikh, or Shumaykh, rahimahullah, he said that I saw Abu Sa'id al Khudri, radiallahu anhu, yusalli mutawakkian ala asa. I saw Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, he was praying whilst leaning on his walking stick. Narrated by, uh, uh, collected by Ibn Abi Shayba, 3405. Now, we have one hadith that we know famously where the Prophet ﷺ seriously criticized someone who's hanging on and holding on and leaning. And here we have companions that are doing it. And that's the difference between the two. The job here to work out is that in the hadith of the wife of, who was she the wife of? I forgot it. She was going hardcore. She was yani, a mess. She was fasting all the time, praying all the time. She was killing herself. And the Prophet said, what's this? Yani, I sleep and I pray and I don't and I you know, take it easy. And in this scenario, this is maybe someone who's taking a temporary lean, but it's something which is allowed here and there from time to time. This, we, we, we got this narration. Um, okay. Um, subchapter. This is coming up next week. To say subhanallah is for men and to uh, clap or to make the clap sound is for women in the prayer. On the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he said the tasbih is for men and to clap the hands is for women in the prayer. So this is the statement of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrated by Abdul Razak, volume 2, 456. Subchapter, moving in the prayer, not movement. Moving in the prayer. Yahya al Bukka Kala Raitu ibn Umar Yosali Thum Yadr Biyadihi Ila Ila Ibdihi Wahuafis Salah. I saw uh, 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 Abdullah ibn Umar was praying and he kind of like, you know, whether he's scratching himself or whether he was, but he did a, a violentish move towards himself. And Ibn Abba, that's narrated by Abdul Razak in Al Amali. في أثار الصحابة number 52 عن ابن أباس قال يستعين الرجل في صلاته من جسده بما يشاء ابن أباس said that a person can lean on his body to the level that he needs to whilst he's in the prayer that could be you know bending your leg that could be you know whatever it is يعني a person getting tired or whatever that's narrated by Bukhari as a معلق بصيغة الجزم meaning that Bukhari is convinced that this is authentic as well uh, the reference for that is Al-Fatih Al-Bari, volume 3, number 82. And the penultimate, uh, the penultimate narration is subchapter, the prayer whilst food is present. Check this out. An-Nafi' an Ibn Umar qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا وَضَعَ عَشَاءَ أَحَدَكُمْ وَأُقِيمَةِ الصَّلَاءَ فَابْدَأُوا بِالْعَشَاءَ وَلَا يُعَجِّلْ حَتَّى يَفْرَغْ مِنْهُ وكان ابن عمر يوضع له الطعام وتقام الصلاة فلا يأتيها حتى يفرغ وإنه ليسمع قراءة الإمام نافع said 
on the authority of Ibn Umar, who said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, if the dinner is put in front of you and the prayer is established, then start with the dinner and don't يعني, rush until you are finished, you are complete, you are satisfied. And Ibn Umar, applying this hadith, when food, Nafi is saying, was put in front of him, he would, uh, and the prayer, Iqama would go off, he would sit down and he would not go to the prayer, he would continue eating whilst he's listening to the Imam recite. So he's hearing the Imam recite, it's not stressing him out at all. He knows the hadith, he knows what I've got to do, I'm finishing this off, I don't need to think about this food, get enough done. It doesn't mean you've got to sit there you know, and then say, right, pass dessert down, you know what I mean? Yeah? <laughs> but it means that you eat enough so that you're comfortable, you're full. Sometimes you need dessert, sometimes yeah, you know, we might need to give odd fatwa here and there, but in most times, yeah? So that's actually in Bukhari itself, in the Sahih, famous this is, okay? That's narrated by Imam Bukhari, hadith number 673. And... Uh, <laughs> this narration is a classic. This is the kind of stuff, but it makes me sad, this narration. This is the kind of stuff we used to read back in the good old days with Sheikh Ihlani and we used to sit there and just laugh and laugh at hadith, okay? This is narrated on the authority of Anas. <laughs> Radiallahu anhu. He said, Kuntu abi, Kuntu Ka'ab wa Talha wa min al-ansar. So this is Anas bin Malik, yani speaking. He was young, obviously, at that time. He goes, I used to be with, I was with Ubay bin Ka'ab, senior companion, Abu Talha, senior companion, men, senior from the Ansar. And there's food there. And uh, so there's food there, basically. And uh, uh, the iqama went off. So I stood up to get off for the salah. And they said to me, ah, Iraqi, yeah, yeah? <laughs> they said, this, the Iraqis hardcore, you know what I mean? There used to be all this yani, war between the Madanis and the Iraqis, right? And so he goes, Iraqi, are you? And he's basically cussing him. And he goes, they cussed me so hard. They continued and continued this and this and so for flipping neck, man. So he sat down. So Salah is carrying on and he carries on eating the, 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 the food. This is narrated by Abdul Razak. Uh, volume 1, 545, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's enough. So, yeah. He's Iraqi or they said his actions? Yani, no, yani, are you Iraqi? Iraqi? Yeah, Iraqi. Iraqi. Yani, because he is, he is because he's young. Yani, hmm. it's like, uh, you're right. The point is, is that when you, when you, it's the same thing. If I say to you, Iraqi, it's because you're doing Iraqi actions. When you're obviously not. He's not Iraqi. They know exactly who he is. We can't, we can't say Iraqiya to a man. Afataya Iraqiya? Are you young Iraqi shab? Is this your kind of game? This yani where you're coming from? You see, there used to be at that time, well, not used to be, even until now. And obviously, it, didn't, it wasn't that bad in the time of the companions. But in the later generations, this became very serious, of course. This kind of idea of where does the mistakes of certain companions come from, where do opinions become yani, very well held, and so on. Anyway, 
now you've seen these narrations. The reason I want you to read all of them is that now you've got the source material for virtually everything that we've covered so far in this section and some that we've still got to cover. And you see now firsthand the depth of what is source material that allows us to, to work with in order to give legal rulings. Okay? And so therefore, um, it's allowed for you to tie your amama. It's allowed for you to correct your clothing. It's allowed um, to do these things. I'm just going to uh, quickly finish this particular chapter and then we'll answer some questions. Uh, how long is this thingy? Okay, we're all right. All right. So in our, in our book, 253, wa قَتْلُ wa So he is to kill the snake. That normally this يعني, to kill, uh, he is allowed to kill. I don't want you to understand that, oh, it's okay for you to kill, but you shouldn't. No, it is recommended to kill and it is legislated to kill. So recommended if you can see a problem, legislated meaning a person has nothing to worry about if that actually happens. Yeah? So, um, and Sheikh says, so not only is it allowed, but it's actually a sunnah. Because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed, volume 2, 233. Uh, he said, kill the two black things in the prayer, the snake and the scorpion. Which indicates that there's an education there as well. If you see some miskin grass snake, yani, which is just chilling, going by, you're not meant to just go for it. Yeah? Right? But at the same time, you see some black one, Yanni, okay? I don't know, Yanni, but maybe the black one's more poisonous. What color is a grass snake, anyway? Green. Is it, yeah? Is that why it's called a grass snake? <laughs> I know that you weren't dissing me, bro. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't go just on the black ones, Yanni. If I saw a cobra, Yanni, I'm taking that bad boy out because, you know, that's some. Um, you know. I don't it's going to get chopped, yeah? So, the, the interest, anyway, so, uh, so, so that's a hadith, yeah? Now, look what Sheikh says. Uh, and we have the narration in Sahih Muslim that a man asked Abdullah ibn Umar, Ma yaktur, ma yaktur, ma yaktur yani what kind of animals is a person allowed to kill whilst he's in a state of ihram? And uh, and he said that I, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar said that I was told by one of the wives of the Prophet sallam, that he used to command to the killing of the pure black dog, the mouse, the scorpion, the, uh, the black crow and the uh, snake. And he said that's in the prayer as well. That's narrated by Muslim, hadith number one to uh, twelve hundred. Okay, so Sheikh says that therefore it is a sunnah to kill a snake, for, and if it attacks you, then it's obligatory. So it's not sinful to let it go by, but if it's there, yani in the prayer place, because you got to understand that there's a deeper thing going on. Anyone who understands the concept of jinn and so on, often they take the shape of snakes, and you know what? We don't get in their way, and they don't get in our way. Yep, you go and do your thing and do our thing. But if they come to the house, then you're taking liberties, aren't you? Right? And if you come to the house, the Prophet ﷺ said that it is a sunnah. It's a sunnah. 
the Prophet ﷺ used to warn the snake. You give the opportunity to the snake that if you are a jinn, I'm just giving you this shout that you've got your opportunity to leave. You can make it very nice and clear. And if it doesn't, then you take it out and there's no blame. There's no one then coming to you next morning and throwing you down a mountain like your mom told you the story of what happened to the guy in the girl. Yeah? So, you, as long as you give, give it warning, give it a heads up that you could be a jinn, you might have taken a wrong turn, you're in my, you're in my house, so on your way. Right? So there's a, that connection. Now here, jinn should not be taking snake form and coming to the prayer. This is a place of peace, focus, whatever we do in it. These snake know. They know. Right? And so if they come, that's why it's allowed for you to kill it regardless. But it's not sinful. It's not sinful. Yeah? Now, if it attacks you, as Sheikh Uthameen says, then it's obligatory for you uh, to save yourself. And likewise, And he said that, and of course this goes double for the scorpion. Because a lot of the time, which is true as well, snakes are not into biting. They only bite, I think, if they're attacked. They don't bite. Whereas scorpions bite. They touch skin, bam. So if they touch you or you touch them, their immediate reaction is what... But snakes, you're all over the show. You know, pick them up, this, that, whatever. They'll slither around you, you know, around your leg, up your leg. You know, all that behavior. Just got a man up in it, right? So, you don't have to. Yeah? So, Sheikh says that, uh, whatever. I don't know, but is that true? A snake can... He says, لَكِنَ الْأَقْرَبُ if it touches human skin, it bites it. If you pick it up, it bumps into you, X, Y, Z, bam. The scorpion. Because? People do handle scorpions. But is that because they take the thing off the thing? Yeah. Are they handling pets? Can you have a pet scorpion? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. And then, uh, so, yeah. And then, just to finish this part, because uh, it's getting too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These hadith are to be put in their context. Yeah. We don't want to kill your neighbor's dog. Okay, he said that. Okay, right. Allah's gonna send and kill his neighbor's dog, right? Um, and qumal yani is laos, plural uh, lice, yeah. Wa and uh, um, and here's interesting. Sheikh while he's describing it, he goes, they're in the clothes, they're in the hair, and they're small insect, and they uh, they irritate the skin, and they suck blood. And they they distract people. How would you describe what I've just described? That's in actual fact what I just described is closer to a mite, yeah. And umla, what do you guys umal? Yeah, it is a louse. It is a louse. I just think that we have a very innocent idea of lice, but lice are hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So this is the point. Lice means ticks, mosquitoes, 
cockroaches, the full shabam, all of them are in. All right, because the point is, is that they distract you, they're harmful, they're unhealthy, they cause disease, they bite, they irritate, blah, blah, all of this behavior. Nah, mate. If they fit like the yes. No, an ant doesn't do that, no. And also, although there are some ants that give a proper, you know, takia, um, the ants come under an exception because of hadith, because of Quran, and so on and so forth, yeah? Uh, and here's the, here's the point. So he's allowed to kill all of this. And if it is distracting him because, it's, because they're, you know, uh, hurting him or irritating him or whatever, whatnot, then it is recommended to kill it. Question. If by killing it, you get smeared with blood, what happens then? Yeah. Insignificant we have here? Anything? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we know now. We're all free to go up and wash it and come back, isn't it? Yeah? Abdullah ibn Umar can do it. Anyone? Because? <laughs> okay, Shaz. All right. Yeah. Shaz is hungry, man. Yeah, this diet thing is killing us a lot. I'm telling you, man. The difference is. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm a rock, bro. I'm rock. That's right. <laughs> so, anyone know the actual reason before Mesa helps us and takes all the reward? Come on, what's the reason why if he gets bloody from killing the fly or the mosquito? Mosquitoes have blood, leave that, leave that black mark behind. They have blood, yes. Yeah. Have you not killed a mosquito? You've not seen what happens behind? No? Correct, Mesa, that's right. They aren't nudges, okay? The blood of, of any animal, which basically reduces down to insects, that doesn't have a circulatory blood system, all right, are not nudges. And these animals, or insects, rather, they don't. Okay, so just remember that as a, as a, as a rule. Say that again? Yeah, but, but it's, it's uh, uh, as an animal and its blood, once it's mixed with its own, whatever, whatnot, the, the illa is to the nature of the animal as opposed to what it's carrying. Yeah. Don't know. Snakes. Uh, uh, no blood system or something. No, he's not saying it's got no blood. He's saying it doesn't have a circulatory system. Oh, sorry, sorry, beg your pardon. You're not saying that, 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 that the, the, the snake blood is halal. You're saying that be careful when... Yeah, you're right. Absolutely correct. Yeah, you'd have to... Yeah, you'd have to step on it, you know? Yeah, smack it on. Whatever. My mum once did that, by the way. Kill a snake while praying. No, with a chapel. <laughs> yeah, it's a famous story in our house, that. That's why we got beats here and it's so accurately, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, in Ilford. Yeah, not even. A, what you thought it was in a pen, huh? What are you judging us for, huh? You think that she just lives in the gull? That was in Ilford. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and to end off, Sheikh says um, another masala. He goes, if someone says, 
هل له ان يتحكك اذا اصابته حكه يعني you get bitten by one of these or you don't you got eczema or whatever are you allowed to scratch yourself are you allowed to itch yourself and the sheikh says he's allowed to do that you are allowed to scratch yourself لانه اذا لم يفعل انشغال انشغالا عظيما فله ان يحكي يعني as long as he doesn't go mental يعني starts going you know what i mean yeah so a little itch here and there that's something which is allowed um and he goes that uh, he goes, <laughs> this is a weird thing he says, he goes, if the itch stretches from one ear to the other ear, and it, go, it starts here and then it suddenly goes over here, is he allowed to kind of go like this? Is he allowed to move with it? This <laughs> is weird. That. He goes, yeah, he's allowed to do that. He goes, if he's able to have patience, then of course he should have patience. But if it's yani, completely doing his nothing, he's thinking about it, then let him itch it. Uh, because to remove that which is affecting a person's khushur, is something which is in itself a legislated and good thing. And we all know that when you itch yourself, the or itch, yani your skin calms down and you feel calm and relaxed, and that's obviously going to help your state of mind. So therefore, it becomes a good thing to do from time to time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And um, so we'll stop there. We'll just take some questions on everything that we've read. Okay, because we know, I know we did a lot. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is a book which I bought 20 odd years ago, this maybe. Masaha min al athar sahaba fil fiqh. And the reason I bought this is because a friend of mine is the one who contributed to the collecting of it. Okay? He's a Pakistani guy. Pakistani guy, can you believe that? Okay. So it's by. Uh, Darul Kharaz, okay, uh, but anyway, what is authentically narrated from the Athar of the Companions in the Issues of Fiqh is the three-volume book. It's a great collection. It's got lots of funny uh, uh, collections in that. Right, let's go to the bottom. Questions here in class? Yeah, I think they, they, they fall into that category. Basically, those things which are going to be harmful, stroke, and yani cause a problem, and whatever. But irrationality can't be allowed in here, because you can't make it too subjective. Farsi is that, Lala. So, so, most of these kind of things are not harmful in the UK. Apart from the one your mum killed, obviously. Yeah. Yep. There are these poison snakes in the UK. That's the irony, the one that mum killed in, the, in the Pakistan. Miskeen it was. Yeah. Grass so, snake. There's only one snake in the UK, it's poison adder, yeah? Right. So most of the time, they're not poison adder at all. And right. the spiders aren't harmful. Right. Black, wi black widow, yeah? Right. So, no. It's potentially harmful to you. The distraction thing is not in of itself. Uh, by the way, by the way, the question you asked is important for us to also state that logic is not always the bedrock here in explaining these things. So certain things, which is why I mentioned the jinn issue, to take your mind away from the logic of the matter. Some things are tawqifi. <laughs> they are given special status Like the crow for example The killing of the crow Or like the black dog Why all black? Now if you start to think about this There's no way that you can come from a logical reason Why black. all black instead of a spotted one mm. Right? So we have to move into the divine there And we have to say that's what Allah has said This is one which is shaitan This is one which is X is We don't know Allah has put something that we don't know right. Yep So it's very possible that the snake has that Primarily though, yes, from a dunya point of view, we can say one of its wisdoms is that most of the time it's harmful. But um, 
But that's why the Sharia does not obligate the killing of these animals, right? It's legislated. So if a person is scared or fearful, it's really a wider point that's being taught here. And that is that a person's prayer is important. Person prayer should be protected. A person's state of mind is very important as well. And there is something else going on as well in terms of protection for animals, all the rest of it, no doubt. But also that there are certain animals that are taking liberties in these kind of scenarios. And the snake is almost like an exception. Almost. Where are we, Lala? Is this the first one? No, no, come on, down. Come on, come on. If someone is fidgeting repeatedly next to you in a prayer, what is the best way to stop them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that you've, you've you know, it's, again, it's contextual, isn't it? Yeah, it's contextual. So you've got to kind of like keep it within. Have you given the ladies one or not? What's happened? They don't, they don't need it. That's, that was the chief said that, okay? All right. They don't need it. I didn't say that. Okay. So a nudge, you know, is uh, fine. Lala, you're not going to die if you give it to her in her hand. You know that. You're really, honestly not. Zahra, you're now fit and young and healthy and yani, no, no pneumonia, no chest infection. Come on, get fit, man. Eat some sweets, man. Come on. Yeah. But don't worry, your dad's right here, mashallah. He's okay, man. Don't worry. By the way, I just want to say to Zahra that today I was watching a video of me with your dad and I was laughing all the way through. All the way through. I so enjoyed it. Alani Tasma enjoyed it. Cheeky Paggy. Huh? <laughs> <So> <laughs> He's a messing about, ain't he? Right. Um, so no, you don't. Uh, it's allowed, obviously, to nudge a, nudge a person. It's allowed to, you know, indicate. But you gotta, you gotta understand: is this a local? Is it not? Are you, you know, is it gonna cause a fitna afterwards? You know, people are very selfish these days. They don't accept, you know, these kind of, you know, advice or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was right, yep. Oh, uh, uh, this is referring to Ibn Umar. Is it because he considered blood to be najis? Well, there are a number of people that consider blood to be, blood to be najis. That's not the issue. It's the issue of it being large. If it was an insignificant amount, then he wouldn't have moved it anyway anyway. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. Uh, yeah, they're having a nice little chat about Brampton and thingy. That's good. Sarah says, during Ramadan, whilst I'm praying taraweeh at home, I use the Mus'haf in Salat to prolong my Qiyam. Is this okay? Yeah, I, mean, I, I want to say that it's not going to invalidate your prayer. And as a worst, last case resort, after you've tried to memorize as much as you can and you want to improve it and you've gone and done as much as you possibly can, then I think it's okay. But it's not the primary thing, yeah? And as we said, if you're going to do and use a Mus'haf, then in now, I can tell you now that if there were iPads at the time of the companions, they'd be using the iPad. They would not use the mushaf, okay, or even the mobile phone, which yeah, and it can be moved with a thumb if you're holding it in front of you, and it's not a million miles away from a prayer position. So you've got your hand in the prayer. It's not about respect. Your disrespect went straight away once you stop praying like this. So once you're now looking elsewhere, not even in direction of the the uh, uh, the the qibla. And you're now moving your hand and, you know, and so on and so forth. So the point is that you minimize all the movements and all the rest of it. Right. Uh, did we cover those people who step in front of you? Yes, we did. Harris, you should go back and look at that. Yep. What things can act as a block here? Yeah, we did that in the chapter of Sutra. Anything which is small, yeah, of, of size. And if not, then even a line is acceptable. 
Uh, Hamza, I once saw someone turning their head to the side, looking at me whilst in Ruku, which I thought was funny, but yeah, no, there is an athar regarding turning of the head. Now, just let me just stop and say something. This is not what is being justified by the athar. Now, you know, I told you different people have different things. Yeah? So Arabs are very all over the place in the prayer. But they're not mega kind of into their looking. Right? And Pakistani would rather have their head cut off than to turn and look in the prayer. And mashallah, tabarakallah, we, we got that one right. African. Oh my God. Let me tell you now. I prayed in Nigeria. I prayed in Mali. I prayed in Mauritania. I prayed in Morocco. No, not so much in Morocco. Right? Some other. Yeah, those are non-Arab speaking. Exactly. Right? I seen enough where it's almost putting it to the level where, like I say, the Pakistanis are like this and the Arabs are like that. And I'm almost at the level of saying that they're like that. I never saw a people move, turn in the prayer so much. So I would be praying and I can see out of the corner of my eye a guy looking straight at me like this. <laughs> no problem. But not just one, not just two. Not just ten, loads. And I would be watching, I'd be watching people in the masjid whilst they're praying. And when someone walks in, they're kind of looking like that. And then Rukut looking like that. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Now, obviously, you know, we've got to be careful not creating a stereotype. But it's amazing, the number. Of that. And I never saw that in other places, like as a, as a people, Right? Like I never saw the Paxian this so solid. Like the Arabs are moving around doing all kinds of stuff, yeah? But the Africans, they're still in the rest of the prayer. They don't move in the rest of the prayer, okay? But they're looking around is really relaxed. So, you know. Right, right, let's go, let's go, 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 go. How do you kill a snake with hands? Twist it, that's it. Taku his neck off. Now he's got you in hands. Yeah. It's not going to work, yeah? Did he let it go? He, can you believe I was watching... Uh, I don't know what I was watching, but the advert came on. Floss blood! The guy's still making Rambo! 2020! Yeah, last blood, yeah. No first blood, no. Last blood. I couldn't believe it. I saw all this, I saw his face, he looks about nine years old. And then I was like, oh, this is some, you know, random, you know, one of these expendable bakwasis, yeah, whatever. Then he said, Rambo, I thought, he's ruined it. That's it, Khatam. He destroyed it. You destroyed it, No, no, Rambo died. Rambo died today for me. Up until today, Rambo was there. It had Izzat, yani. He stopped at four, and you know where at four, no, three, of course, was the peak. When the Mujahideen, yani, and he spoke Pukhto to them, yes, bro, that was our moment of truth. That's when we all came out, we became proud of who we were. Honestly, I have no idea how important that is for the psyche. So much Pukhto in that film, you know that? We're so buzz off that. And they, they changed it. You seen that? They're changing at the end? Yes, bro. Used to be Mujahideen. We take it. I'll take one for you. Know, right. I can't kill a snake, I would be breaking my salah, would that be okay? So that's important, yeah? This is all during the prayer and your prayer is still valid. However, 
if the actions that you do, as we're going to come to next week, are too much, then you break the prayer anyway, but you want to break the prayer to do a proper job or to run away or to whatever, that's allowed. That is allowed. Okay? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Is the killing restricted to these creatures mentioned in the hadith? There's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars, okay, on that. And I follow the opinion that it is not restricted to these. Anything that you consider to be a threat and that has some kind of danger without it becoming too subjective, okay? Hold on to the blood from the loud. Hold on to the blood. I don't know what's going on. Right, blah, blah, blah. There's the only Wikipedia from Thingy. Can you define what is made? I have no idea. I wish I could. What is a circular not having a circular? That's what the scholars all say. That's something that does not have a circulatory system. And when I looked into it, insects don't have something like that. Anybody know? Anybody can help us? What is it that this insect has? Why is it not having a circulatory system? Or actually, if you want to know what the Arabic says, it's no flowing blood. Not circulatory system. Dr. Zaf came through here. My guy came through. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What about Yani in Arafa and what about in Saudi and whatever when they're flipping that big? On steroids, isn't it? Can I ask a question? Yep. Food and Salah in Ramadan, Iftar time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> so look, you see, ultimately, the hadith makes it clear that the sunnah is to eat. Alright? However, if a person's not at home, they're not seeing that, right? So they pray in the masjid, great. If you look at the time of the Prophet, there wasn't all this bakwas that we have today. He'd be breaking his fast on the same stuff that he breaks every other fast. It's us Pakis who've taken it to a whole different level and got feasts there. Now, obviously because of that, people are not concentrating on their prayers, so you have to eat. Now, the amount you eat does not mean you kill it, because then you can't pray either. It's all over, you're bloated and all the rest of it. Yeah. So the answer is a combination. Now, I'll tell you something else as well. If you yourself are not fussed genuinely, not fussed about the food but you have and you break the fast proper, you know, couple of fruit, um, dates, water. So a good couple of minutes of proper and your hunger's done now. You can now chill for 15, 20 minutes and you know you will, right? Then that's fine. Then that's fine. You know, this is, by the way, just, you know, we might as well mention it now. This is a big stain. It's a big blot on our culture and on our religion. This approach. I know that it's all about celebrating the month and trying to encourage children and all the rest of it, but it's really put us in a dangerous place, right? Now, not to not to say just how many of our women, yeah, the sisters, they have to ruin the last hour and whatever. Now, for the longest time in my house, we have a system where we don't cook until after, okay? Or minimal preparatory kind of spice and you know base cooking, a couple of hours before or an hour before. But no cooking allowed in the last hour, hour and a half before. And that you do have enough fruit, cake, sweet dates to break the fast to allow you to not have to worry about food for another half hour. 
so that then you pray quite quick afterwards and enjoy the prayer and allow then the folks who are preparing the food to prepare at that time. Now, if they're preparing the food at that time, you obviously, you know, you've already eaten enough to take away the whole, you know, so that's got to be promoted. But the problem is, is that us want food ready. That's what's got to change. Now I've seen us have kind of changed. But the problem, if you're living with your parents and you try that behavior, they'll have your flipping head off. You're kicked out, mate, you and your missus. Yeah, it's dead. You know what I'm saying? They'll be like, what the heck is she doing? Sitting there reading Quran. Do you know what I mean? What is Ramadan or something? Do it at night. Do it night before, yeah. Why is it not fresh? Right. Um, final uh, is a qintar, same as a qirat. Yeah, so this is a good question. Is it yani, the same? A number of the scholars, they consider it to be the same. Because there is no hadith which specifies a specific amount for the qintar and the qirat. The qirat we have. But the Qintar, no. Um, and Allah knows best. I've often felt, I've often held the mindset of interacting with others in society. My natural mindset is to think positively of others. But the world is so terrible now. Should the default be neutral until people show who they are? It's around Husnul Dhan. And I've often ruminated on the mindset of interacting with others in society. You know, I mentioned this in this, um, I, I mentioned it in one line, by the way, in this whole. Uh, 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 House of Windsor thing, yeah. That the, the you know if we reflect on cultural uh, current affairs, you always use an event in current affairs to revive the problems that we have in our own culture. And the, one of the big ones is that people now don't have even a need to interact with anybody else. Before there was a real problem, people were lonely and this and that, whatever. Now nobody cares. Now oh, everybody's trying to avoid anybody, everybody else. And I've spoken about this in Practice House in lots of detail. We speak about it, yeah, in, you know, and uh, you know, I often give the example of that little video which shows you know, 20 years ago, someone yeah, knock on the door, everyone's running to open it first, you know, so you can get there quickly. Now you know, someone knocks on the door, rings the bell, everybody hits the floor. You know what I mean? Just in case you look through the curtains. You know what I mean? Okay? Nobody wants to know. That's the greatness of ring. Yeah, and you have a look, whatever. Everybody, don't freeze, don't move, whatever, whatnot. Hopefully, they'll ring three times and they'll go. Nobody cares about anybody else now, right? Now, this, of course, is a societal change due to smartphones doing all the fitness that they produce. That has going to have an impact on Muslim community. Obviously, we're normal people. But it's having an impact on religiously mandated structures like the family structure, like looking after parents, look, like looking after whatever. Now, Obviously, it's not the same with William and with uh, Harry and uh, Meghan. There's lots of factors there. But let me give you an example. What if the Queen was dependent upon Harry? Right? If, if she was. But he can't handle this, that, whatever, whatnot, and he needs to go. Right? You know, and his wife wants him to go. This is happening every day in our houses. Yeah, any problems between the wife and the in-laws? And at what point is the breaking point? At what point is it allowed to go? At what point... Is the son now held accountable and sinful for what happens now to the parents and their needs not being met, etc., etc.? And what's the subjectivity involved in needs being met? Because these are also subjective phrases. So I just want to, you know, and this is what uh, Protect This House is about. Yeah, I need to, to, to speak about in depth. But it's something that we have to understand is a major fitna, this lack of interaction. And we've got to make sure that we don't do that. The only time where al-i'tizal, this is what is called in the in Islamic uh, 
uh, terminology, isolation of oneself, is only allowed in war, civil war, not war, civil war, where, where there's a major, major problem, a major fitna that is taking major casualties. I mean from an ideological point of view, not from a physical point of view, right? Uh, where there's a real major threat to your deen and to protect yourself. Whereas what this is, is just you know, our societal whims at the moment. So, no, we must have better thinking. Hassan, good to see you, bro. Is it dislike to leave the front row and go back? If you pray in the front row and there is a small gap, many times someone from the row behind will step forward, making it so tight you have to pray with your body sideways. Is it bad to leave the front row in this case? It's an excellent question. Excellent question. Especially if telling the person to go back might start an argument or frustration. This happens mostly during taraweeh, but if you leave the, the A row, most likely you'll have to go back to the... If you, yeah, if you leave the front row, you most likely have to go back to the last row. So let's deal with both. Um, is it disliked is the question. Technically speaking, we know that to stand in the first rows are rewarded. So if you take a position out of the rewarded position then technically speaking, you've left Al-Awla, you've left the more favorable one. So it's not disliked, but you missed the good chance. All right? Because it's completely permissible to pray anywhere in the rows. Hassan is asking because he knows that him moving to a more spacious line is going to be much better for his concentration in the prayer. And that's completely acceptable. Mortman brings up the point, what is it with people and all this space need for space? Okay? So I agree with you. But not to the extent that you're praying sideways. Or you're, you know, to the extent where you're, you're praying like this and so on. Now this is, con this is again subjective, right? There are some people who are very comfortable like that. Not very comfortable, but they are so in tune with their prayer that they don't need to worry too much and they can be at other angles. And there are others that complain at just being touched. That's completely unacceptable. And that's actually the problem that we have in most of these masajid that are so, you know, not wanting to touch the feet yeah, and it closed the gaps between the feet. That's never the problem. That's not the problem. You know, the issue of closing the gaps between the feet is a flexible matter. What's inflexible completely is leaving gaps between the shoulders. So to close the shoulders is an absolute pillar of the line. Touching the feet together is not a requirement. It's a sunnah. Now, we are genuinely in a scenario where it's becoming very frustrating how you see people complain about lack of space when they've got plenty of space, right? So we've got to yani, understand that well, we shouldn't take it so personally that people are close, this is what it's like, this is what the congregation is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves yani, the soft when it is bunyanu marsus, yani, a very solid, together, strong wall, okay, foundation. But at the same time, it can't be taken to the liberties yani, where everybody's crammed in, everybody's just trying to cram in. So the Friday prayer is an exception. See, the Friday prayer is a prayer where a person has to go above and beyond, right? I don't want you to start this subject because this really irritates me, this. Because as you see, you get all the moaners, the people who don't even come to the masjid at all, the fishes, yani, except on a Friday. And they want yani, a fajr experience. And I say to people, you know who say, brother, I need some space. I said, brother, come fajr, you'll be fine. <laughs> and that's my stock line. It re these people really irritate me. Right? Because as you said, the companions used to literally prostrate upon the feet 
the hamstrings of the guy in front. Everything turns. You, your, your qibla is this way now. Your, so your knees would go down, but there's no space for you. So you now put your head in between the feet so you're that way. This is what you're, that's the Jummah experience. That's what it should be like. If you're not like that, if you're praying in comfort, what kind of Jummah are you praying? Because 100% there are people outside. Why have you not gathered the line forward and told people move forward? And the Jummah experience is meant to be madness. But the normal prayers are not meant to be like that. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah. So it's like I said, it's always in, in between. It's always in the middle. Rayhan, ya Sheikh, I do want to release it. Um, I'm just really in the middle of a lot of stuff. Maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe a couple of weeks. Alaikum salam. If you join the congregation prayer, notice the imam when they go in sujood, their top rides up. They're obviously not aware. What do you do? Is the prayer invalidated? No, if it only happens once and it's small, but you've got to tell that person, warn them yani, afterwards and so on. Bye to let. Yes, I believe it's permissible. For the record, it wouldn't do a proper job. What wouldn't do a proper job? The snake. Right. Snakes, reptiles, blah, blah, blah. I think we're done. All right. So, Ilmfest, remember, in a couple of weeks' time, we have uh, some classes, protect this house, blah, blah, blah. Dublin, Cardiff, two weeks, three weeks. And any other narration, any other thingy, announcements, anything? Anything? All right. Good to see you guys. Zakamullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu alayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. We're on a diet. Don't bring chocolates. I will kill a person who brings chocolates. Good to see the Islims. Masha Allah. How you guys doing? You alright, yeah? Hazma? She alright, yeah?